do you love to talk about your dog almost too much? Us too, which is why we created a space where we celebrate it. This is for those who love the four-legged friends they rescued because they got rescued right back. Each week, we bring on a dog mom or a dad to talk about their rescue dogs and how they changed their lives. This is Rescue Dog Moms, a parenting podcast. I'm Yamini, and this is Boss. Hello, dog lovers of the internet. Welcome to the first solo episode of the Rescue Dog Moms podcast. I am feeling a little uncomfortable, a little weird, but I love to talk. I thought, why not do this project, see how it goes, see if you guys think my opinions are cool or like interesting. And if not, that's okay too. And uh, we can, you know, go back to the guest or just have a failed podcast. This has been a great time for me to start this project. I have always wanted to have more consistency with the podcast, have weekly episodes ideally, but with recording episodes and editing and my life, it's always felt a little bit weird, especially since most of my episodes are about an hour long. So I thought that doing these little mini episodes just featuring me, that could be a good way to do things. It also really does help in terms of some topics I love to cover tons of times before like tonight's episode but also just different ideas of like things that I do, things that I want to share. I do sometimes find that when I'm editing the interview episodes I want to cut a lot of what I say off because you know I want you guys to hear my guest and my guest to take up the most time but hopefully there are some thoughts I have that you guys might find interesting. As I always say in my show notes I'm not a trained I'm not a nutritionist. I do not consider myself a dog expert. That's why this is a rescue parenting podcast. I'm taking it like you guys day after day. Even though I'm not perfect, I have over time thought, oh, I'm getting better at this. I do have some understanding. And then of course, I also volunteer a ton with dogs with the dog rescue space. Today's topic is all about fostering and foster dogs teach you so much about dogs. Because at the end of the day, your dog has their particular things going on, but every dog is different. Foster dogs really do teach you that and teach you kind of how to treat dogs overall, like best practices and just ways of like engaging with them because they are also different and I think a lot of us are acclimatized to only knowing how to engage with trained dogs with like family dogs who literally grew up from a puppy age used to people having been socialized and all that and when we're faced with a brand new dog we get really overwhelmed we're like why are they nervous like literally right now my foster yara will speak a little about is hiding under my bed no real reason she has just decided that she feels comfy under there she's not scared of anything I'm home alone with her and my dogs and so far she's been really really into hanging out with me but today just under the bed and that's fine because at the end of the day I gotta let her do what she wants to do to some degree I've had a lot of fostering guests on the podcast but I thought this could be kind of more just a deep dive I'm titling it tips on welcoming a foster. So I wanted to chat about kind of what those first few weeks look like because I think after that, 
is when you can really relax and start experimenting. You built a bond with your dog. Before we deep dive into fostering itself, I did want to touch upon a topic that we've chatted about a number of times on the podcast, most recently in the very last episode I published with Erin, which is how to find a rescue. Rescues are complicated communities in that, yes, we all have the same common goal of helping dogs, rescuing dogs from precarious situations, from being street dogs, from being in countries where they're running around. But not every rescue is created equal. And there's a lot of practices in mind that you might want to look into and might want to inform yourself about before you get into it. So I'm hoping we can do that here. But also, I think the main thing you want to make sure is that you are looking for a rescue that suits you. Yes, there are rescues out there that have a bad name. Everybody has an opinion about different rescues. But at the same time, unless you are seeing obvious stories of mistreatment of animals or of people, it's about finding a rescue that suits your needs as a foster and gives you the support you need. Some rescues have very involved teams they'll give you a ton of like help and support and training and then there's some who are going to be a bit more hands-off because they are a little bit smaller and that's okay too in my opinion like we all have different capabilities some of us thrive without instruction because we've done this so many times and some of us need a little bit more guidance I feel like I'm somewhere in between I like to have someone to talk to um as you guys might be able to guess but I do try and facilitate training myself and of course because of my involvement in the community I would say most rescues have been pretty hands-off with me in terms of my foster experience which is honestly pretty good because I've really learned a lot on my own and through the resources I have which also I feel like these rescues know I have a lot to draw upon so I might not need the one-to-one instruction maybe they would feel otherwise though because I definitely sent them novels of updates and they've definitely still had to step in sometimes And at the end of the day, you are caring for a life. I know it sounds dramatic, but dogs are living beings. They are not static. They are complicated and they're predatory animals. So they all have the capacity to inflict harm on you. It's pretty weird that we domesticated animals with really sharp teeth, but we did. And we cannot take for granted that when push comes to shove and they feel cornered, that is a possibility. So... Every rescue obviously wants to avoid that. Every person wants to avoid that, but it takes a a bit of knowledge to get there. Considerations for picking a rescue. I think the top one is location. When I started looking at rescues to foster with, I was kind of peak pandemic. I really wanted a dog because my rover sits were falling through and I wanted to sign up to foster. I did volunteer with Fetch and Release already at the time, but they did not have a lot of fosters coming in because of the pandemic. So I looked far and wide. I really wanted a dog, and I was like, I want a dog ASAP. I looked into the rescue Dogtails because I knew they were looking for fosters because they have a physical shelter and they couldn't operate it. So I called in, did a whole Skype call, did a whole interview, and then at the very end, they had a dog lined up for us, and... We told them we couldn't drive and they didn't have any transport to help us. And now in retrospect, I feel so bad about it because seriously, like how disappointing for them to take so much work and effort into us. And then we couldn't even go to King City 
hashtag will help them out. We didn't have Communauto back then. Um, shout out to Communauto for being a big pal in our uh, foster journey. If you want to sponsor us, I will take all of it. But actually, don't sponsor us because you're not allowed pets in your vehicles. Oops. Uh, anyway, <laughs> definitely look at location. So first of all, if you are in the Toronto area, you obviously might be aware of a bunch of rescues that I talk about. But also do your research. There's a lot of rescues that are smaller and might need some people. I would also check if they provide transport, especially if you aren't a driver. That's definitely important for me because that option is always there. We do try to rent a car when we need to. But um, as said, they're not really allowed. Next big item is supplies. Most rescues should be able to provide you with all the supplies you need. If you have supplies, then you're definitely in a better position to maybe help a rescue that doesn't have as many supplies available or are short on some. But in general, definitely make sure you are able to do everything you need with a dog. Collar and harness and leashes. Maybe double that if they have a strict lost dog prevention policy, which you guys didn't hear the podcast was my recommendation of something to look for in a rescue because personally I do not want to be put in a position where I have a scared rescue dog escape crates pretty important crate training is a really really important skill to give a foster dog so definitely make sure they are aligned with that Finally, I think another big part about finding a rescue is a totally quote-unquote superficial reason. I mean, I know that we, you know, love to say at rescue, especially if you're going to foster, don't have expectations of like dog breeds and whatever. But at the end of the day, we all have different situations and some of our places might not be good for big dogs. You might have a small dog who might not be very happy if you brought a big dog home because they don't like big dogs. You might have a big dog who is a little bit rough to play with and getting a chihuahua in the house might not be a good idea. So definitely I would just go to these pages, browse their adoptable page and just see what kind of dogs they seem to typically get in. Where are these dogs from? And, you know, if you're really a small dog person, I would go for a smaller rescue that takes a lot of small dogs. A recommendation I have is Texas Chihuahua Rescue. Just browsing their page makes me so happy because I would love to have another little small dog in the house, but we're not doing that right now. (laughs) I would say if you're okay with medium dogs, that's pretty great. You have a lot of options. Potcakes, Mexi Mutts are more on the medium side. Finally, a bit of a controversial topic is if you're looking for hypoallergenic fosters. They are a unicorn, but they do happen. A lot of rescues will reject you if you are looking to foster hypoallergenically, which to be honest is totally fair. If you are looking for that type of dog, I would go for a breed specific rescue. I don't know of any for any dogs like that or just be patient. But I will say from my experience, most of those don't need to be put up into foster care and can go straight to an adopter most of the time. Let's talk about preparing your home for a foster dog to arrive. Definitely when you get that offer for your dog, think about it before you say yes. Think about your schedule. Make sure you have a clear schedule for that upcoming week to help the dog decompress. If you have a partner, obviously it's easier. You can alternate places, but I always say the first three days are really stressful for your dog and you don't want to 
be moving in and out of the house, having guests over. You want to just dedicate that time to your home and your dog and your resident dogs and pets. Talk to your neighbors. If you have neighbors, let them know that you are welcoming a foster dog and there might be some potential barking or whining or all around adjustment and that you will be working on it and hope it'll calm down over the period of three days. Hopefully they'll understand. Sometimes your rescue has like a fun little lever you can give to your neighbors. Get the house ready. Clear your house of wires that are exposed, plants. You have a resident dog and you have toys everywhere put everything away you don't want your dog to guard and you don't want your resident dog to try and take things so anything of value put away i would start thinking about the layout of your house i always say that it's best to not let your dog free roam the whole house right away introduce the house in segments so think about putting up a baby gate if you have a huge studio and it's difficult that's totally fine maybe consider asking your rescue for a playpen to just separate your home a little bit just because the more restriction they have the more they can kind of get calm in that place before they are introduced to the rest of the house so that's it for preparing your home now let's get into that first night it is a very exciting night sometimes you'll be nervous sometimes you'll just be whatever about it I feel like at this point I'm a little whatever about it <laughs> even when Yara came I thought I'd get excited but I was fine this is what we do in our home to let the dogs decompress so first of all obviously we have pets if you do have pets I would have the goal of separating them from your foster dog as they come in and honestly just for the remainder of the night with very controlled interactions that's where the baby gates come in or different rooms so put your resident dog somewhere different as you welcome the dog in they might come in their crate so you'll have to uncrate them in the home or they might come fully equipped with all their gear on thanks to your foster team so first thing I like to do is if they come in with a leash I'll kind of start their walking we'll get into that walk but usually what happens is they come in in a crate so you'll open their crate in the home and have to get them dressed up for their walk with their gear first thing I like to do is give the dog a drink of water if they've been traveling they probably have been deprived of water for 48 hours and I give them a quarter of the cup of food they need so so half a meal I just leave it out so that if they are starving enough to just take food they know that this is a safe place if they don't eat it that's totally okay if they don't drink water that's totally okay just leave it out so that they know it's there put their gear on them carefully they're super nervous or just like you know growling or giving some signals that they don't like it I would just let it go let them wander the house and decompress further before even attempting a walk if you have a yard you could try that but again definitely be safe for yourself and be safe for the dog if you are able to take them on a walk I like to take them personally on a short but quiet walk so I pick a quiet street usually the drop-off is late at night so it's a pretty quiet time ideally it's a good time of day where there's not like a lot of people or dogs around I would start that walk let them go somewhere and decompress and as they get in kind of a rhythm I usually call Dan to get him to bring boss or Queenie over bring a resident dog on that walk that way we do it side by side we basically kind of put the layout that it's like dog 
person, person, dog. So that they're furthest away possible, no interactions. Wait until they have calm behavior. If they are calm, I let them do some butt sniffing very quick. If they're doing face-to-face naturally, I only let it go on for three seconds max before splitting it up. If you are getting a dog from another foster home and it's a rehome, ask them to go on a walk with you. Just makes things easier, especially for these introductions and making it very controlled. Hopefully on this walk, the foster dog will pee or poo. If they don't, it's okay. I personally very much expect accidents the first week, especially on night one, because they might be too overstimulated outside to go. And if they don't pee or poo at all for the first day, that's also okay. Get back home, separate your dogs again, leave the dog to do its decompression on its own, especially the first day. I personally choose to ignore the dog, go about my day, kind of try to limit loud noise as much as possible. So like, you know, no blenders, (laughs) don't make a smoothie when your dog is there. Just try to keep things pretty quiet but also like don't feel cautious around your house just act with confidence act as if the dog's not there and just continue doing your routine do pay attention to dog signals if they are growling if you get in their area try to leave them alone work around that attention some dogs are gonna beg to you for attention start following you around right away i personally choose to not give attention on the first day you can give them a quick acknowledgement like a hello you know a little pat but nothing more than that And then again, continue with your day. Nighttime can be a little crazy. You're not really sure what they're going to do. Some of them stay in their crate and they just sleep in there and that's easy peasy. Some of them refuse to go in their crates because they've had so much travel time in there. You'll have to reintroduce the crate to them in a positive way. In that case, I try to lay out a bed, see what they might do. I try to put the crate in my room, see if that makes a difference. And if they still hate the crate, then I try to put a a dog bed next to my bed and see if that makes a difference. And some dogs will really just want to be in the same room as you. Some dogs will want their own space. Just experiment. Try different things. Don't let them whine for too long because, again, it's the first day. I know that some people say, you know, see if your dog settles after 15 minutes. I personally wait to do that later in the process. I want this first interaction to be really positive. So I just give them room to settle in the room, see different, try different configurations and see if they work. But again, really don't leave that dog next to your dog. And again, your dog might be more chill than mine. My dogs get secondhand stress. So I try to keep them separate from the foster dog until they're calmer. And I think the main thing to think about, especially night one, and honestly the whole first week, don't put pressure on yourself to do the right things or train the right way at this point. You should have some boundaries in place, like don't let them climb on furniture. Don't let them beg for food. I personally don't expect anything out of the dog at this point. They are really, really stressed. They're not going to listen to you really. And I forgot the number one rule. I didn't even put on my checklist. Leave the leash on. Leave the leash on your dog. Your dog is going to try and break some boundaries or, you know, explore. The leash gives you easy control and it lets you not be right up against the dog. It's okay. It's not going to get tangled in things. Just leave the leash on the first day. Obviously, make sure they're not chewing on it because that can lead to an obstruction. Ignore them but secretly watch is kind of the key. One thing a lot of rescues talk about is the next stages of the decompression. I'm going to talk about these very quickly. Three, three, three is the rule. So the first decompression happens three days in, three weeks in, and three months in. Depending on how long you have your dog, you might experience all three of these stages with your foster dog. Just remember that at each of these stages, new behavior comes out, and that usually includes some challenging of boundaries or challenging of structure. Keep your rules consistent that you want start breaking rules or like you know boundaries like furniture privileges only at your own terms and if the dog is able to listen to you when you say no they are jumping up on furniture and you have to pull them off 
it's not time to give them furniture privileges yet. If they go off when you say off, then it's okay. That's just my opinion, obviously. I'm not a trainer, but this is how I like to do things with our foster dogs, just to make sure they are not running the place. Yeah, every dog is different, but the majority of dogs I've gotten are definitely more challenging of boundaries versus not. And you know, that's the thing with a furniture privilege. It's like if you have a really nervous dog and they don't like to be around you, having them up on the furniture might be the best way to bond with them. Different strokes for different dogs. Ask your foster coordinator for guidance, but also just, you know, take it easy on them. Take it easy on yourself. That's just like an overall dog rule, but definitely with fostering, it's going to be a lot of guessing, even if you've done it a lot of times every dog is so different so you're always kind of going to be guessing what those behavior changes are going to be like and what they're going to be like at different stages finally I wanted to chat about the discussion that people talk the most about fostering which is the adoption stage I think adoption is the part that people get the most sad about they're like oh my god I could never foster because I can't see my dog leaving the great thing about fostering honestly obviously I have resident dogs which helps but you are really helping this dog be ready for its next stage of its life and there's no discounting the role you had there and it's not like you're abandoning the dog the dog loves you the dog is bonded to you but dogs are so resilient just like they came into your home and they'll adjust and they'll do well if they are set up for success they're going to do the same at the next home and hopefully your teams are all helping the adoption go through as successfully as possible they are being very upfront about challenges everything you've communicated and the dog is being showcased responsibly showcased as they actually are including their challenges not just their wonderful qualities the main thing I like to say about that adoption stage is you are going to have a hard time when the dog goes up for adoption and kind of anticipating that dog leaving but once you meet the family if it is the right family I think the feeling I have always gotten is oh my god this dog is gonna have the best life Ever. And I think that feeling discounts any of your own anxieties about it. Even me, like I don't want another dog right now. <laughs> I have enough on my plate. But even looking at Yara, sometimes I get sad. I'm like, oh, she's so sweet. I'm gonna miss her even though she hasn't even gotten an app yet. <laughs> So I totally understand where people are coming from because I feel it too. When you see them off to their forever home, just remember, remember the day that you got your dog and how amazing that day was and how excited you were. You are part of that experience over and over and over. And that's so wonderful to see a family welcome their new dog into their home and take them in, introduce them to their family members. I mean, the excitement of getting your dog, especially if it's your first dog, which most of my foster experiences have been, is amazing. And every single foster that I've had, I'm in touch with the adopters. I get periodic updates. I send them updates. And it's just wonderful to have an even broader community. Your dogs are just ready. They're ready to embrace their future, be family dogs, and just live the rest of their lives. And you made that happen. That's why fostering is amazing. And you know, if you are considering fostering, but this is your blocker, do it. Just do it once. Do it once and you'll understand. If you, And you know, save yourself that night when your foster dog leaves to have a good cry, watch some sappy movies, order some takeout, maybe have a drink. Just really celebrate the time you've had together, but also mourn it because it is going to be quiet in the house without that bug. And there goes my first mini episode. Thank you guys for your support. I hope this is helpful as a beginner little guide for those of you who 
are considering fostering, if you have friends who are thinking about it, send them this episode. Maybe it might give them some guidance, help them understand the process. It is rewarding as hell, but it's also challenging. And sometimes you have moments where you regret it, (laughs) but at the end of it, you don't regret it at all because it was an amazing experience and you got to meet the best dog. Thank you guys. Hope you enjoyed the first solo episode. If you did enjoy it and haven't done so yet, please review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so that more people can find my pod. And we have a great episode coming up next week. See you then. Rescue Dog Moms is a project by Yamini, inspired by her rescue dog boss. To keep up with the Rescue Dog Moms podcast, you can follow us at rescuedogmoms.ca or on Instagram at rescuedogmomspod. See you soon.